Hey there, my name is Kim, and this is my podcast, Power Up Your Performance. I believe that we have the power to rewrite our stories, change the trajectory of our lives, pour love into the world, conquer monumental challenges, and that movement can be a catalyst for change. Let's grow together. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek, and my goal is to help you cultivate your dream life. Ladies, if you're like most women I know, you carry the mental and emotional burden of your entire family. Am I right? You manage the family calendar in your head. You keep track of rehearsals and practices and which days the kids have off of school. You know when conferences are. And what day the science project is due. You're the one that picks up that giant piece of poster board so that the kids can actually do the projects. You're the one who buys cupcakes at the last minute. You're your family's glue. And it can be exhausting. And while you are frazzled juggling all the things, it's hard to make time for yourself to exercise, to relax, and to find the space to dream. So moving forward, I hope this podcast gives you an opportunity to dream and to think about the possibilities for your own life so that you can make things happen for you. And, you know, I know I say this, and I always used to think I didn't put things off, that I made sure that I found time to do things I love. I run. I've had the podcast all these years. But at the same time, I still think that I am somebody who will always put my kids first. If they need something, I am going to be the one who cancels all my plans to make sure that whatever it is my kids need gets done. And that's not always necessarily a good thing. We need to make sure that we are leaving ourselves the space to dream and to make things happen for ourselves too. I mentioned a few episodes back that my youngest daughter is going to be going away to college next year. And so that has just had me thinking a lot about what's next. I, for the first time next year, next fall, this this coming fall, will have no kids in the house. And I have a flexible job. I have Iris Digital Media Group that I own with my oldest daughter. And we are a social media marketing company. And I can do that from anywhere in the world. So I have this ability now to completely reinvent nearly every aspect of my life if I choose. Are there things that I want to reinvent? I don't know. This is my chance to find out. But that also makes me think, for anybody who's not in this same position, who it isn't the time in your life where you can have a clean slate and start from scratch, if you can change the direction that your life is headed, doesn't that also mean that you can change the direction your life is headed in any single moment, the decisions you make in any smaller smaller moment, we don't have to make big sweeping changes. We have the power to control all of the little moments too. And then I think if you're unhappy, doesn't that also mean that you can choose how you celebrate? Do we have to wait for a birthday or Christmas or New Year's? For the have to have the cause for a big celebration, can we decide that because it's Thursday afternoon at two o'clock that that's a cause for celebration? 
I think that we have the ability to create happiness at any point in any moment. And then going further along that, if you can change how you do anything, everything about your life is based on your own perception, your own way that you want to look at the world. So if you don't want to go do Christmas your traditional way, what's stopping you from hopping on a plane and going to that tropical island other than maybe finances, which are always an issue? But my point here is that I want you to remember that you have the power to choose how you live your life, how you respond to stress, how you respond to the people and situations throughout any part of your day, throughout the holidays, in the school year, the mean moms, all of the different things. You get to respond and you get to choose. Remember that you are strong, you are loved, and you get to write the story of your life. Today's guest has done just that. Michaela S. Cox is a multi-published author and speaker who writes about a wide range of topics. Drawing on her own life experiences with disability, divorce, and the death of her beloved husband, Michaela knows what it's like to face trauma and tribulations and thrive through challenges. Her journey offers hope and a way forward to those who are dealing with challenges of their own. What I loved about talking with Michaela is that she has dealt with a lot in her life and she hasn't let anything stop her. She shares a great list of tools and tactics that help her thrive through challenges. And I hope that you are going to love this interview with Michaela. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to Michaela's website and her books. Welcome to the show, Michaela. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So you have had a trifecta of really tough things happen to you that you call the 38 double D. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, 38 triple D. It's oh, not triple D. You're right. <laughs> uh, not anything to do with appearance or undergarment. It has to do with what I call the journey of going from much tribulation to thriving in all things, which includes my lifelong disability. Excuse me. Sorry. Divorce at 26. And then death of my beloved husband at age 38, throwing me into solo parenting. Wow. That's a lot to handle right there. Yeah. And so is that what inspired you? Some of the challenges that you've had along the way from that? Is that what inspired you to write your latest book? Yeah, my latest one. I had other inspirations for my other ones. I've always written. It's who I am. It's what I do. If I'm not writing, I'm obsessing, planning, thinking about it. Awesome. I understand that. So tell us a little bit about the book. The book is called A Lifetime of Learned Truths Along My Journey Through Life. Can you tell us what the book is about overall? Yeah, it's called Now I See with that subtitle that you just said very well. It literally walks you through what it is to be in my position and live that life and do all three from the time I was born and was found out to be totally blind to the healing of getting my sight at seven months old, to being what it was like being a kid with a disability, and then going through a little bit of high school and college, and then how I'm, you know, what we mostly do, people go to college, you meet someone, you hope, and you get married, blah, blah, blah. 
it ended up being a crap show. And then what it was like to go through that and to have to get divorced at 26. And then a little bit about my husband that passed away in our journey, but then predominantly, <clears throat> excuse me, nine chapters actually deal with the, the discovering that he was gone and what it's been like since. And then the last part is the lessons of truth and wisdom I've gained from all that. Wow. So what are some of those lessons that you've learned throughout all of this? Is what I put in the book or how I've managed all those situations? Either, either way. I'm a woman of faith. So one of the chapters I put at the end of the book was being washed by the water. It references a need to breathe song. And it talks about while a lot of people in the faith rely on the old hymn of it is well with my soul. But at the time that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because of the wording, I relied more on what I think of as the modern day version of that uh, classic hymn of the need to breathe song that got me through the first uh, little bit. And then their other song um, forever on your side. I'm very much influenced by music and I relate to music a lot of life through music. I think it has a lot to do with an auditorial learner because of my vision issues. So I take in the world through hearing. So music's always played a big part in my life. No, I don't play. I, I, I just love it. <laughs> Not personally musically inclined, but that, and then I've discovered that you have to be willing to create your own way and write your own and create your own beautiful mural and make it be what you want it to be. What advice do you have for the listeners about how a person goes about creating their own way and getting out of that struggle and not dwelling there? As far as grief is concerned specifically, and then there's another set of answers for outside of grief. It's an infuriating answer, but it's a truthful answer for the one who's initially going through grief because they're wanting a roadmap. There's not a roadmap. (laughs) I hate to burst everyone's bubble. There is no instruction manual. That's why you have to just be willing to do whatever the next right thing is, which for me, who likes to know what the right thing to do is, struggled with that because I wanted to make sure it was right. And I wasn't inclined to do it until I knew it was right. When you don't know, you just have to take the next step. So for my personality type, it's very annoying, but it's very (laughs) true. I don't do well with that, but I've managed to figure it out. As far as other aspects of life, which also works in grief as well, I've been talking about what I've seen as my systematic approach or methodology of that I've used to face all three Ds of the 38 triple D, the disability, the divorce, and the death of my husband and the father of my children. I learned a lot of this early in life because of the disability. So it was already in the backdrop in place that I'd already been using my whole entire life that I could pull out like a tool in a toolbox to use for the next two Ds of the divorce and death. And so while my tribulations may be different from others' tribulations, it still works because if you're a person, an individual that chooses to overcome whatever your tribulation may be, which very well could be different from mine and mine from yours and somebody else's, it's still struggle. It's still difficulty. It's still overcoming and climbing a mountain. You still do it the same way, regardless of whichever one you're trying to work through. So for me personally, obviously, or for me, I am first and foremost, a woman of faith. So I rely heavily on my faith outside of faith. I would say life is a choice, excuse me. And what I mean by that is you can either be defined by your circumstances or you can choose to define your circumstances yourself. 
and make it be what you want it to be. I've been using this analogy of you're an artist, you're hired for a job. They may want a certain type of material. You don't like working in that material for some reason. It's not your forte or you don't like it, whatever. You don't feel like it's your strong suit, fill in the blank. But we know in life that when you're hired for something, whose way are you doing it? It ain't yours. It's the boss's way if you want to get paid. So suck it up, buttercup. You got hired for a job. You better do it that way. Now, you may not be able to control their criteria or their specifications or their terms, but you do get to control your choice within those terms. And you're still in charge and responsible for making a beautiful creation on whatever material they want you to make it on. So in life, while I may not have chosen the Ds of my 38 triple D, I didn't choose any of that, especially the blindness. I was born that way. Believe me, I didn't know what the heck was going on in life. Never mind anything else to even know that I was disabled. So you don't, you really can't say I chose any of that. Right. Came into the world that way. There's never been a day or a breath I've taken or will take that I won't have screwed up eyes. The divorce, yes, I walked away, but it was his choices that led to that decision because it was just no longer tenable for a lot of reasons. Um, and I dang sure didn't choose to have the cops in Manchester, New Hampshire, where we were living at the time, knock at my door on nine o'clock Eastern time on in April 2017 to inform me that in a blink of an eye, my life was literally shattered and turned upside down and changed forever to include my two children, who, although not the youngest, but definitely not the oldest at the time, six and three, their father was gone. I didn't choose any of that. Not many people would. And if they say they would, they're lying. But I do get to choose once I'm in those circumstances, what I want to do with them and how I want to respond and what responsibility I'm going to take for managing my life once thrown into those situations. Definitely. Yes. And was that the the end of your list of your approach and your methodology or did you have some other points there? No, there's three more. I just, sometimes people like to, you know, talk about it or expound upon it. I didn't say it was easy. I just said, it's still a choice at the end of the day. Right. Here with all the answers. I don't, always have my crap together. Some days are better than others. I'm not perfect, but I can share what I know. And I do know it's still a choice, no matter how hard it is, it's still a choice at the end of the day. So you're going to pick one or the other. The next thing for me has been mindset. And I think sometimes that's more challenging because as much as we can't control our circumstances, we don't always control the thoughts or feelings that fly in and out of our brains, Mm -hmm. but we can control what we do with them once they're there, whether that's, we're going to be more optimistic, pessimistic, stay in the yucky places or decide to find our way to the more happy, I don't want to say happier, but better end of the spectrum of whatever we're going through. Is the world half full or is it half empty? Can Mm -hmm. you find a sliver of sunshine amongst the crowds? Look for the rainbow after the storm or Find whatever you have in your life to be thankful for, no, how, no matter how hard the storm is, or seek joy, no matter how small it may be. And that's still a choice. It may be hard, but it's still a choice of what you want to do. Now, and that's not to say that you shouldn't have your feelings or your emotions or your thoughts and that we need to healthily process them. That's part of our human, humanness and humanity. But once you've done that, you can either sit in it or you can figure out what you want to do with it. Like I said, I've had my better days and I've had my not so good days, so I'm not perfect, but I do think it makes a difference. There's a reason why we say that once you put your mind to it, you can do anything you want and there's yeah. power in that, and there's power in mindset over matter and it's key. Your mindset is, can be the determining factor between whatever you've chosen to pursue in life, whether you do it or not. So yeah, I agree at my house, we have what I call a 24 hour rule. And when something horrible happens, you can 
have your tantrum and get all upset and pout and mope about it for 24 hours. And then you can still have those feelings. But beyond that, you got to start looking for what am I going to do about it? How am I going to move forward? And of course, 24 hours, depending on what's happening, you, yeah. it's going to take you longer for something tragic to deal yeah. with that. 24 but, hours don't quite work in those circumstances. Right. And then sometimes it does because you manage to shift the needle in your mindset. And then like I was do, like, and grief specifically, it's not linear. Like most people would like to think right. in a box that's as neat as putting it in a box and checking the list. Mm-hmm. I would personally prefer it that way. It would make it more comfortable, but because I'm a list maker and I'm type A and I'm mostly whatever, but it doesn't work that way. Despite my personality preferences, I'll be fine. And then something will pop up and then it puts you right back where you were. So, well, and for sure, for something like grief, there's no timeline. Everybody handles grief in their own way. Yep. But yeah, that does is a good rule of thumb for typical average day circumstances. And And then then how does, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say after mindset, I think, and I will self-admit I was not the best at this because I'm too much of a type A person and I don't have time to slow down and I have too much to do and things to do and people to see and places to go. And I, my list is longer than the days and my ability to be me, but I've always been that way. I can't do just one thing. Um, but, and I definitely didn't do it. Not so much as that I was a young mom, but when I was a new mom and foolishly thought going to grad school when your daughter was eight months old was a, a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what I was thinking that day, but okay. I survived. I'm here to live the tale. So you got your master's degree and everything worked out. Yeah, but it was an interesting five years. That's for sure. Um, especially the semester I was doing my thesis and had a three-year-old and a four-month-old who wasn't sleeping through the night. That was fun. Oh, holy cow. Yeah. Didn't think I was going to make it through that one. I thought that was going to be the end of it, but academically speaking. <laughs> uh, so I wasn't always the best at the next thing I'm fixing to talk about. Cause when I was a new mom, I was also a grad student. And like I said, I'm disabled. So what most people think about doing is and how they do it is nothing compared to what I have to do it. And while I'm good at school, it takes a lot more to be good at school to do it. And that's why I usually don't get a lot done when I'm in school. But I did not do well with self-care when I was a grad student and had one kid and then two kids and one being a toddler and one being a newborn. But grief pretty much teaches you you have to do self-care whether you want to or not if you want to survive. Because self-care in a journey of grief, such as which I've been on and describing, can make the difference between drowning or being able to keep your head above water. And it's really taught me over the last four and a half years, as much as there's not a fairy godmother with an amazing magical wand to make the laundry and the dishes disappear as much as we would all love that. It's not. And unfortunately, because there's not those yucky dishes and that annoying laundry and that annoying floor that needs to be swept. I promise you, if you go take a two hour nap or I don't know, watch an hour TV show to just check out for a little bit. Unfortunately, it'll be here when you get back. There, so <laughs> they'll be fine. And you're actually doing everyone else a favor to include yourself. It's actually a very selfless act of self-care. Because I know everyone says, when mama happy, everybody happy. No, that may be true. But my version of that is when mama's sane, everybody's sane. And we're going to go with sanity. <laughs> So what are some of the kinds of self-care that you like to use? You mentioned taking a nap. What else do you think is helpful for that time of grief or extreme stress? 
I've always chosen napping. I'm sorry. You get to go to sleep and you don't feel nothing and the world goes away for however long you're sleeping. I don't know. It's just me. I, I think there's a lot of forms of self-care. And I think what's interesting, it's a conversation and a dialogue. Our culture, for whatever reason, I can't speak for men, but for women, because obviously we're women talking today. Um, I think it's a conversation that has been hard for a lot of people. And I don't, I think one of the silver linings and maybe blessings in disguise of the pandemic everyone started talking about it because everybody was going through it. It wasn't just the stressed out and the overly overwhelmed people. The whole world was going through it and finding needs for tending to yourself in this very hard situation because everybody was going through it. No one got out of the pandemic. Okay. It was so the true. whole world. Nobody got out of that one. And we were all going through it in various different ways and the way you responded to it and however it affected you, whether it was personally, financially, a relationship, whatever, fill in the blank or the different aspects that it touched for everybody. And I think it brought a lot of issues to the forefront about how do people in this kind of unprecedented situation, at least for our times of ever going through. Now, there's been pandemics before, but for anyone who's walking the earth now, unless they're like over 115 years old, they couldn't tell you what it was like. This is new to all of us. Yeah. So for anyone who's living and walking this earth today, it was like, what the hell? Excuse my French, but like what? And so we all had to adjust and pivot. And I think it brought a lot of issues to the forefront that usually aren't, I don't want to say taboo, but aren't very comfortable or acceptable for discussion. But because everyone was going through it, it brought it to the forefront, whether we wanted to or not, brought it out of the closet per se. And I think it really became about how are we going to manage this and take care of ourselves? So we were all talking about self-care when that's really something that should have been done a long time ago, or how are we going to manage and balance our mental fitness and and health and wellness? And so I think it's an important issue. And I think it's, everyone needs to do it, but self-care in of itself is a broad topic because it, it, it encompasses so many things, but what it really has to do with is as long as you are caring for yourself then you're doing self-care now because we are all unique individual creatures that enjoy different things and make us tick and make us happy and find joy and give us refuel and replenishment and whatever, fill our tank. Cause what you have to think is about, we're a well, okay. We're a deep, deep. We love helping people. We love loving on our family and caring for them, whatever you do, maybe whatever you're whatever. But if you're always giving out water all the time, you're eventually going to run out. Mm-hmm. And you're going to up and you're going to burn out and then you're not going to be able to do anything for anybody, no matter what it is or who it is or whatever, whether it's your husband, your spouse, your partner, your other significant other, your kids, your nieces, your nephews, your mom, your dad, your coworkers or whatever, church, friends, whatever. Fill in all those blanks of all the hats that all of us have to wear. <clears throat> and if you don't have anything to give, then you can't do anything. So we have to realize that at some point we have to be willing to put back in to us so that we can keep doing all those things we want to do. Now, for me personally, to answer your question, I like napping. <laughs> I like being with my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. I like, I watch self-admittedly, I watch way too much TV. <laughs> I watch a lot of adult TV. Darren, <clears throat> right now network TV's on. So I have all of my ungodly amount of TV that's on my DVDR. During the summer, I binge watch on Hulu. It's my way of escaping and decompressing after a crazy day. If I'm with my girlfriends, I might have an occasional margarita or a wine cooler or whatever. I like chocolate. I like going to the spa. I like journaling. I like music. I like traveling. I love writing. I do a lot of writing for the world, but I also have my own writing that the world doesn't get to see. And that's okay. 
you can write for different reasons and that's perfectly fine. And it can serve the same purpose, whether you're doing it for your own personal audience or for the world. And people have different reasons for doing which one they do. And that's perfectly fine. I choose to do both. <clears throat> it could be exercising. It could be running. It could be gardening. It could be going to the lake. It could be, I like the ocean. I'm a beach girl. It is always my happy place. I just feel at peace. I feel serenity. I just, I love the beach. But my point is whatever form of that is that fills your soul and makes you feel like you've stopped taking a breath and refueled and replenished and rejuvenated, then you're doing self-care. Now, I will admit, especially as a mom and a woman, <clears throat> we go through different seasons in life. So what our needs may be when our kids are newborns or toddlers or preschoolers may be totally different when they're a little more self-sufficient and on their own and they're always going off flitting to friend's house on the weekend. Like anyone who's been a young mom will understand this next statement. And I do love my children, but when you're a young mom and got newborns and babies and toddlers, you're going, oh my God, if you don't get away from that damn door, although you may not say that to your kid and you value your life, go away. Five minutes, go away. <laughs> let me pee in peace. Let me have a bath. Let me finish one sentence in my head before you interrupt me and let me eat in peace one time. Okay. I'll be happier. Or Now my kids are older. I want time with my girlfriends on Friday night. Okay, good. They're at my parents' house or they're off with the friends and yay, mommy gets girl time. That makes me happy. And I refuel. So it's okay if your needs of the way through the methods of you get your self-care changes, that's fine. As long as you're doing something for you in a responsible manner that fits within your life and you're not like, okay, I'm leaving for six months. I'm not coming back or anything like that, then you're good. And so you just find ways of fitting it out and you make it a priority. Like we make everything else that's important to us a priority. I love that definition that you started out with where you just said, if you're taking care of yourself, that is self-care. Because I think that we overcomplicate things we, we overcomplicate so many things oh, and yeah. it doesn't need to be that difficult. It's what fills your cup, what makes you feel good, what will give you a mental or physical break for, like you said, even a little bit. Let me close the door and go into the bathroom for five. Yeah, Let me read a away. book. Let me read a chapter of a book in a bath yeah. in the bathtub. Or I like to meditate. People like prayer. Some people do prayer drawing. Sometimes it's their faith. It's their church. Whatever. I don't care. Find your version that works for you that makes you feel fulfilled or happy or replenished or because it makes you feel balanced. It makes everything go back into whack. That's out of whack. And so to me, they're all connected. So if you're caring for yourself, you're going to be more balanced. You're going to be more focused. You're going to be more able to do what you have to do, which means your mindset is going to be able to be more healthier probably. Because you're not freaking out over everything and driving yourself insane along with everybody else, most likely, whether they tell you or not. And then if your mindset's straight, then you're going to be able to stay true to the path you've chosen. But if you're so overworked, you can't think straight because you're not doing self-care and you don't have a healthy mental state, then you're not going to get anything done. Okay, so then that makes me think of something else. The trend right now toward hustle culture where we always have to be doing something. So like what you're talking about where it's what, if you are running yourself ragged, you're not going to be able to focus to do the either to write or to the, do the creative things or to do the things you love. If you've run yourself ragged because oh, you're no so busy hustling, you, you can't do that. I run myself ragged, but I've also learned through forced of grief that there are some days like, okay, I will admit I was not very productive today like I should have been, but I've had in my own personal life kind of a more challenging week and I decided, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to do what I have to do today that was on my agenda mm -hmm. and then I'm going to go take a nap. Guess what? 
I can do it at three o'clock when my kids are home and we're working on chores and I'll be a lot happier, not as cranky and draggy and exhausted. So yeah, I should have done about five other things today, but you know what? I chose a good nap. I'm good. (laughs) Okay. So I want to talk about something else because it's also one of my favorite things, the beach and going to the ocean. So you have a book about living the beach life. Can you tell us why you wrote that and what that one's about? Yeah, I was actually at the beach when I got the idea. <clears throat> my daughter and I love the beach and she's my wave girl. My son prefers to be on the ocean, on the on the shore and that's fine. He can enjoy the beach on the ocean, on the shore. I want to be in the water. 9 times out of 10, I'm going to be catching those waves. Always been like that. And we were she was doing the waves with me. We were on uh, I'm not sure where you're located at. We were off the North Carolina coastline somewhere. I forget, but it was North Carolina coastline. And I was just in the beach, just taking it in, relaxing, chilling out. Cause that's kind of what I do. It just makes everything wash, literally washes everything away for me. And my head was very clear. And I started thinking about all these things, observing that I was seeing and like, this relates to this and this relates to that. And, oh, and that would, oh, what can we learn from nature at the beach? So basically, and then I was like, okay, please let this stay in my head long enough to meet to the shore to get to my phone because I'm in the water. I don't have a phone. I don't have a pen and a paper. It's going to get ruined in the water. So it's in my head long enough so I can get to the hotel room or get on the shore and write it down. And so I did. I wrote the outline that literally came in my head in 10 minutes. And then I got home and I wrote it. And so it's just little tidbits that I was thinking that came in my little brain when I was at the beach of how living a life at the beach would probably make life better. Yeah. Do you remember, can you think of any of those things off the top of your surfing life's waves and riding them out, taking it one wave at a time and catching the waves, catching them one at a time, meaning doing one thing, but also riding them out when things come up that are more rough and seeing where it goes. But then also just, you want to take the wave one at a time, but sometimes you have to ride them out too. And then also at other times, water is a funny thing. It can do different things. Just like different seasons in life, the same thing can cause different reactions or things in our lives. And one way you may ride out the waves that you're going through and seeing where it goes and knowing that it will get you to shore, or you may have to take one wave at a time or just enjoy that. And then one of the things I was thinking about, I always had this rule when I was at the beach, mainly because of maybe because of my vision or just being safe or both. I don't know if I would have done it had I had better vision, but I'd always find a marker on the shore, like wherever we were sitting. So that if I got carried out a little bit further down shoreline, I could, because I knew I wouldn't be able to see faces. Mm-hmm. I looked for like a landmark, I could find that depending on which one we're talking about. And so I would know where, okay, I'm close to where everybody's sitting or whatever, the chairs, the umbrellas, the, your towels, your, whatever, your friends, your family, whatever, we are hanging out. And so I started thinking like the lighthouse shoreline that keeps me, that brings me back to shore. So like finding a mark and getting back to shore when you feel like you've been taken out too far in life, just things like that. I like so that metaphors that just popped into my brain. It's Anyway, could could, um, in that example, could the lighthouse even be your faith? Yes, that's how I wrote it in that book. But it's also just for anybody. Maybe it's a good friend that helps them guide them back to shore. But for me, I was writing that chapter out of faith. But it can be other things for other people, for ones who aren't people of faith. But for me, it definitely is my faith. So since there are so many people right now struggling with mental health issues, it's been just interesting to me, it seems a lot more people are willing to talk about mental health, which I think is a good have a choice. The whole world is going through. Exactly. But I think 
But I think that's a good thing that people are fine. like, you yeah. know what? I'm not afraid to admit I'm struggling yeah. right now. Everybody was going through it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm the weird one out. The whole world is going through it, which is what I meant by the pandemic is horrible as it's been. I, maybe there were some good things that finally came out of it that we're really finally to say it's okay not to be okay and go do what you got to do. You know, let's talk about this and have a conversation and start the dialogue and get this taken care of so that we all can be more sane, healthier, happier creatures as human beings because we're doing self-care or we're working on our mental fitness and wellness and health and all that, which brings me to the other point, resources. Now, resources can come into all sorts of different things. It could be financial resources. It could be, I don't know, you need to hire a sitter or it could be whatever that helps you manage whatever you're struggling with. It could be personal. It could be religious. It could be economic. I don't care. There's all sorts of different types of resources. I personally got over the need of asking for help and resources a long time ago because when you have a disability, if you want to get anything done, you pretty much have to. So whatever. That was an old hat for me, but I know that's not always the case for everyone because I think a lot of people, when it comes to asking for resources, they, oh, I'm asking for help, which they feel or think that puts them in a certain light that's uncomfortable to them, but that's actually not the case. I wish more people would think of asking for help and resources as you're actually doing something that is beneficial to you and a favor to yourself because what you're really doing is whatever you're struggling with, you're brave enough to say, I'm going to find answers and solutions to this so I can improve and do better and move on and do what I got to do. So you're just asking to get what you want. Yes. Or in a direction of what will help you get what you want. Yeah. And I have a friend who also says that (laughs) you can't feel like you're being a burden to your friends or family when you ask for that help or support or resource, because we would all much rather give that resource and give you the time okay. than face potentially what could happen if we don't, we want you alive. We want you here. Yeah. And if that's what we're talking about, then let us spend our time with you to help yeah. you support so you. Just ask. We all get stuck sometimes. Like we come up with a problem. Well, how do I solve this? Like, how can I figure this out? So you go get resources, whether it's legal, whether it's financial, whether it's economical, spiritual, whatever. I don't care. Fill in the blank physical, you know, emotional, mental health. I'm a personal, I will have no problem in it. I love counseling. Thank God. It's a good week when my house gets clean. I get counseling. Okay. Not afraid, not ashamed. Love it. I tell my counsel all the time. I don't live paycheck to paycheck. I live counseling session to counseling session. Okay. (laughs) Makes me sane, but I would rather get the help I need to be able to keep getting self-care or other things that I need that help me have a good mindset to stay true to the choices to accomplish what I'm trying to do. I would much rather have what I need than not and look back and say, I could have done that. Yeah, you could have, but you didn't because you didn't ask a simple question. There's a reason why in school they say, if you have a question, ask it and get an answer. Okay. We were taught doing that. You have a question in school, you raise your hand and you get the answer. That's the adult version or the older version of in school. You got a problem. You want a solution? Go get it. Whatever that may be, whatever that may look like for you. And it's a much more positive thing because that means you're growing and you're improving and you're allowing yourself to do what you want to do, whatever that looks like or whatever we're talking about. Yeah, that's all great advice. You've given so much great advice. What do you wish that you would have known or you would have done? What would you give yourself as advice or give somebody else as advice for handling grief in the early st- it's hard to come to this conclusion definitely self-care it literally can make the difference between surviving and not 
I promise you. Now, that's not to say that everything will be okay and that you no longer grieve, but you'll be able to keep your head above water and be able to do what you have to, whether you want to or not, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, The other thing is really be okay with and not have guilt or feel bad about this is your journey and it's yours and yours alone. And unless someone's walked it, they don't get it and you don't want them to get it because that means they're going through it, but you want someone to get it because you don't want to be alone because grief can be lonely and you feel alone in it when you really don't have to be alone, even though it's a lonely journey, but it's your journey and yours alone. So you have to do first and foremost, what is good for you. And if you have kids, what's best for those kids to get through it. And I give less than a dang about what the rest of the world says. Sorry. Sounds witchy, but it's true. I care. very much about what my friends think. My inner circle opinion is like my own little line in the sand of my life. Until someone's done what I've had to do of the not one, but two and all three of the D's of the 38 triple D, I really don't want to hear it. Unless you want to trade and learn how to do it, then you can tell me how to do it better. So in my grief, I learned how what felt right for me in that moment and what as long as I'm doing what's best for me and my kids and it's not harming us, then I'm going to do it because I've got to get great advice. It sounds bitchy, but it's true. Not many people in my life. I've known some people that have been disabled. I've known some people have been divorced and remarried. I've known some widows or widowers who are either still single or they've remarried, or I've known a combination of maybe disabled and were married and divorced, or maybe like I've known a few other widow or widowers who were divorced first like me and then remarried. And then we lost our chapter two or whatever you want to call it. I don't know many people that have had all three. And I ain't got time for someone's opinion of something they know nothing of. So I say this to say, when you're traveling grief and you have, and they may be well-intended, people can be well, and they don't mean to be mean, but until they've done it, I'm going to do what's rest for me and my kids. Yep. Great advice. And be comfortable in that and not feel bad about it because they're not doing it. You are. Right. And I think that also goes for, like I said earlier, there's no timeline. If it, it, you can grieve as long as you need to grieve and that looks differently for everyone. And you can't worry about what you think other people are saying or thinking about you. They're not doing it. They're not having to do it. So as, as uncomfortable as that journey is, it's much helpful when you can at least be comfortable in knowing that you're good with what you're having to do. And that you're doing the best you can. And the other thing that goes into is giving yourself grace and being kind with yourself because it is a journey. I never thought I'd be able to say this and I never wanted to be able to say this, but I've done both. I've done divorce and I've done grief. Divorce ain't got nothing on grief. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not saying divorce isn't difficult because it is. It's heck when you're going through it, but mm -mm. my divorce was a cakewalk compared to this. So I learned to just be okay in that even though this is an uncomfortable journey that I'm comfortable with, I'm doing the best I can and I'm going to do what I've got to do for me and my kids. And I don't really care what anyone else thinks that that should be look like because they're not doing it. And I'm going to travel my journey the way I have to travel it because I'm having to travel it. And I'm going to try and give myself some grace and be kind with myself because it's a rough journey and you can be doing great for a little bit. And all of a sudden it comes up again. Grief never really ends, by the way. (laughs) There is no finish line. Oh, I made it. Yay. I made that 10 K. No, it's forever. Now you may find your way through it better some days other than others, or a certain season may be better and whatever, 
but it, and you don't ever get over it. You don't move forward in the way that most people think you move forward. You just get through it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and I really love what you said just about giving yourself grace and doing the best you can because that's really all we can ask about. That's all you would ask your friend. Just do the best you can. So why are we so rough on ourselves? Doing the best you can is a great guideline. We're our own worst enemies and we usually are much harder on ourselves than anybody else, especially if you're a type A perfectionist, little OCD, anal retentive person like me. (laughs) I I don't need anyone's help in that department, but I've had to learn. I've had to like, it's okay that if you don't do 20 things today, Michaela, I promise it's okay. They'll be here tomorrow. As much as that irritates the crap out of my perfectionist, productive, efficient feathers, and they don't like it, but to keep me sane, I try and walk the delicate balance between that grace and self-care and okay I can be more productive today versus than I was yesterday or vice versa and walk that delicate balance some days I do better than others yeah that's life yeah so you had so much great information so much great advice for people I will put the names of your books and all those links in the show notes but Is there anything else that you want to let people know about or make sure that they know about your books or your website? Or All of my books are on Amazon and I have a lot of books in me. I Y'all should see my binder. My y'all's head would spin if you knew the way I create books. It's ridiculous. They're all on Amazon. I do have a website called myheartfeltmeditations.com. You can get to all the things from that as well. The Amazon, the books, um, my author central page, my Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, although I'm not the best at social media, but it is there. Uh, I do have them. They are all located on my Facebook page. And I would say as a call to action, uh, what a lot of people ask me is, remember, life is a a choice. It's you can either have it define you or you can choose to define it for yourself. Choose well. Enjoy the journey. You only get one once. You get one shot at this. Give it your best shot and thrive. Love it. Well, it's been so great talking to you today. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Hopefully, maybe this can help someone else wherever they're at in their own journey through whatever they're walking through. Thank you for joining me for season four of Power Up Your Performance. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, rate, review, and follow. Dream big and get out there and explore.